Welcome to the Live the Path podcast, where we meet real people leading unreal lives. I had this idea that since nutrition seems to be such an important topic, that we would spend not just one episode, but multiple episodes talking about nutrition. And the way I'd like to structure it is in four parts. Part one is why, part two is what, part three is when, and part four is how. And we will explain all those in a little bit more detail as we go along. But today's episode is about why. I'll just say that in my case, the why is to create mental clarity, physical energy, focus, so I can do the things that I feel like I've been meant to do in this lifetime. So that's my why. I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. Jill, do you have something that, do you have a why that jumps right out at you for why you want to eat better? Uh, why I want general good health and eating better as part of that is um, I want to be able to enjoy these parts, this part of our life where we have created the life that we love. That includes hiking, that includes horseback riding and gardening, and I want to remain healthy to do that. It's also about energy, energy to play with our grandchildren, um, as well as energy to keep up with you. With, with me? With you. Yeah. That's going to be hard. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I've never had that energy. That's okay. You got to shoot shoot high. Now (laughs) I I do. I I happen to be a medical doctor, but I'm going to put this standard disclaimer in here. And I really hate when other people do this, but I'm going to do this. So here, here it goes. Uh, this is not intended to be medical advice, so please check with your doctor before making large changes to your diet. Okay? So let's jump right in. So here's the question why we want to eat better. Why should we take care of our bodies? Um, Jill and I just gave you our answers, and everybody has an answer that's important to them. But why should we ask why? In in other words, um, when you say, I want to get healthy, I want to lose weight, the next question should be, well, what do you want to get healthy for? So that's that's the question why. It's like, what, what are you doing it for? So in coaching, we call that the shiny object that people are going for. So the image I've heard a lot of coaches use for getting healthy is, is there a pair of jeans or a nice dress you want to fit in? So it solidifies the goal. And usually there is a reason, whether it's a wedding or it's some other reason to fit into a bathing suit. Um, But that's because you want to be comfortable doing the thing you're doing in that piece of clothing. So it's one one which brings up the next point, which is, so this is a layered question. It's a multi-layered question, and you really shouldn't stop at the first answer. So when, when we say start with the why, that's quite a cliche. I think, was it Simon Sinek that wrote that book? that said, um, start with your why or whatever. So everybody talks about that. But why do we care about the why? Well, the reason is because we're about to embark on something pretty difficult. Some people say more difficult than stopping smoking or exercising or getting a new job. This is changing an entire behavior that you've been doing your whole life and you've developed habits and programming about eating. Eating is what I'm talking about. So it's important to have that why because... The more clear we are about that why, the more likely we are to stick to any 
eating plan. And I purposely didn't use the word diet because I really hate that word. So what do you think about that? Well, I think when I think of people who I know who've had the most success in changing their eating plan or their lifestyle around eating, um, it has been more than a diet. It has been more than a specific set of uh, meals. It is a way they think about food, the relationship they have with it. And once they have success, they actually can see themselves in a different way. Yeah, so it's a deeper thing. It's a deeper thing than the first thing that comes to mind. And I also wanted to comment, there, we are very excited and interested in this topic. Um, and even if you're not interested in particular, you don't want to get that deep, you just want to lose weight or get healthy or whatever, there is a ton of information out there. And if you just go to any bookstore, go to the section on nutrition and or self-help or whatever it is, getting healthy, and you'll see that there are huge numbers of different um, ideas, plans, programs, authors. And for instance, I've recently been turned on to this guy, Peter Atia. He's Dr. Atia. He's friends with Tim Ferriss, and he's kind of in that circle where they they are constantly on some health kick. It's matcha tea, or it's ECGC, or it's... Uh, there's something that they're always doing, apoprotein B. And the, the one thing that's often left out in these conversations is why. So um, Atia says, well, it's for longevity. He wants to create not just living long, but he wants to create what he calls health span, which means living longer in a good physical condition. But then the very next question that comes to mind is, well, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to be on the planet Earth longer healthy? What does that mean? So I think, I think that's the thing that's fascinating to me is asking that very next question. Because if the answer to that is not clear to you, then I think that um, all of those things that you're doing, the medical tests, the tweaking, the diet, the exercise, all those things are not going to last. Well, and maybe more importantly, the distractions will be louder than the answer to the fifth level of why, right? It may be to wear a bathing suit or to get into a dress or a pair of jeans, but why do you want to do that? So you can really continue to dig down five to seven layers and see what's behind that. And it's going to be something that speaks more to your soul than one physical manifestation. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and also the, another idea that I'd like to just get in here real quick is I, I don't think that resisting something works. In other words, if you say, well, I'm going to eat well because I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't think that works as well as saying, I want to eat well because I want to be in good physical shape so I can chase my grandkids around or so I can go on that around the world trip I've been wanting to go on. So in other words, if something's pushing you from behind, if you're running for something from something, um, that is not sustainable. Eventually you're going to run out of juice and the thing's going to catch up to you. So better to be pulled toward it. That's right. Pushed. That's right. So move towards something that you love, that you feel that is irresistible and being drawn towards that will propel you much better than if you are being pushed from something you're scared of or you want to avoid. So if I have a habit of the using the avoiding or the negative um, approach, do you think we'll get into helping people through that, through this course of the series? 
Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, one, one story that comes to mind from my own life, and this is an old one, and I think Joel knows this story, but I, I was working as an ophthalmologist at one point, and I was doing this minor procedure on somebody's kid. It was not a big thing. Kid was awake, doing fine. And the dad was standing there, and we just got in this conversation about um, trail running, how much I love to trail run. This was about maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And I just kept saying, oh, I love to run 15, 20 miles a day. And boy, I just can't wait to go get on the trail again. And and the patient's dad, who is this middle-aged Indian fella, he said, well, doctor, what are you running from? And that just really stopped me in my tracks. In fact, I couldn't stop thinking about that. And when I started thinking about it, I realized that he was completely correct. That he must have picked something up in my energy. So this, I thought I was running because I love running, but actually I was trying to squash feelings. I was trying to squash um, all the, these stressors that were going on in my life. At the, at the time that he said that, I was actually in the middle of a divorce. I was changing jobs. Um, I was, it was just a lot of life change and a lot of decisions to be made. And I, w- I would go trail running because during the time that I was trail running, it would kind of quell all of the different stressful worries and thoughts that were in my head. So I was running from something. I wasn't even enjoying the running. I was I was just using the running as a, as a balm or as a pain pill. I also remember when you used to run in the city um, and you ran with a dog who made it a pleasant experience as well when you had your pharaoh hound. Oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. The whole thing, so I was like flailing and screaming. This dog would drag me all over the place. I couldn't take him off leash because he literally would disappear in the horizon. And um, so the whole running, instead of being this beautiful, relaxing, joyful thing, had become this contest of sorts. And I was determined I was going to make this dog submit to me and have this relaxing run that I could take a picture at the end of and put on Instagram. And it was, it was not the right thing. So anyway, we're getting a little off track. Well, real quick though, because that brings me back to Atia and Ferris and all them. And, um, there's that goal running for a goal or a competition. A lot of the approach I hear from granted experts like them, um, is about hacking health. And to me, there's one just what. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to hack your health or your life. Like, it's your life. It should be meaningful and purposeful, and you build that meaning into it. Gardner's quote of meaning of life is one of my favorites, and it's it's something you build over time by the things you hold precious and love. And I think trying to hack your life and your health is really a cheat. It's yeah, not really living it. That's a good point. So, you know, they say it's about the journey, not the destination. Well, when you hack, when you take a shortcut, you're saying, no, no, it's about the destination. The journey is not <laughs> important. And so that's, that's what a hack is. It's a way to bypass the journey. So yeah. I totally agree with you. Well, um, back to the, the topic of why, the question why. I think it's a two-part question. So the first question is, what is it that is motivating you to eat better? And some examples from the people we've taught in the past, losing weight's a huge one. I want to live longer. I don't want to fall into the same hole that my mother or my father fell into health-wise. I want to have more energy. I want to feel less pain. I want my head to be more clear. Um, and But the important point here is that's just the first layer. So when you when you answer a question like, I want to lose weight, stop for a minute and say, okay, well, why do I want to lose weight? And answer that question. And you can keep going. 
Yeah. One of the first detoxes you and I did together many years ago, I remember we also had stopped drinking and it was the first time I had realized food also gives you a hangover. And I think part of eating healthy, the journey I've been on with you and benefit from you being my chef is that not having a food hangover is important to me, but I would not have ever known that had I not explored eating healthier in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you, you didn't really care about that. You didn't even know you were having the food hangover right. until you experienced it. So the, these layers are important. And actually an example came up, which is kind of unrelated to eating really, but I, I don't think this is in your notes, but I just came up with this this morning, Jill. But when I was in high school, I wanted more than anything to date a cheerleader. That was my goal. And and just a little background, I, I came here to this country when I was about 11 from a Middle Eastern country, and I was popped down in the middle of this all-white boys' school where I had virtually no way to contact girls. But we did have cheerleaders that would come to the football games, and they would come to the on Fridays, we'd have the pep squad. And so I would get like a brief glimpse of these cheerleaders and they would kind of go back to where they came from at the girls' school. And I really thought this was going to be uh, what was going to fulfill me and make me complete is dating a cheerleader. I didn't really care which cheerleader. I just wanted to date a cheerleader. And so I was thinking about this as being this example of why, because it seems like that if you, if he's okay, I wanted to date a cheerleader, you know, why would I want to date a cheerleader? For me, it didn't have a whole lot to do with actually dating the cheerleader, getting to know her as a human being and you know, having a great relationship. For me, it was about acceptance because I just didn't fit at all in this school. And I saw the more popular boys have a cheerleader on their arm at the football games and this and that. And I thought, boy, if I could just date a cheerleader, then people would like me. They would accept me. I would be one of the guys. I would be popular. So the reason I bring this example of, up is when you say I want to lose weight, the actual reason you might want to lose weight ha- might have nothing to do with the weight. It could be something totally different. And so that's why it's important to continue asking um, that question why until you get down to the very core answer that you can't split into layers anymore. And that's what's going to be your motivator. So... I said this was a two-part question. So part one of the question why is, what is the why? And part two, which I think is equally important, is when you come up with the answer, um, ask yourself, is is this an internal why or is it an external why? And the reason that's important to delineate is because the external why is probably going to be fake. Um, There are internal whys that are fake as well. And by fake, I mean it's not really your why. It's something you've been programmed to or some advertisement you've seen or you're doing something for someone else, a colleague, a coworker, a family member, a friend, um, and it's really not your why. So believe me, that's not a winning strategy. So if, you, if you're trying to get healthy because you think you're going to win someone else's approval or um, you're doing it because someone else wants you to lose weight, that's a dead end. It's, you know, So quick question. Do I have to wait until I've dug down to this deepest why before I start? Oh, it probably makes sense to thin those out before you get to the deepest question because you really don't want to follow someone else's why into a rabbit hole and spend a whole lot of energy on it. So yeah, I think it makes sense to start fine-tuning your whys, making sure they're your whys before spending a lot of time on this. I'm going to talk about 
the two kinds of fake whys. So the main fake why, I think, is basically, to put it in one sentence, it's people trying to sell you stuff. Have you guys ever looked at when you buy something from Amazon? What does the label say? Do you know, Joel, what the label says? The return label? No. It says Amazon Fulfillment Services. Mm. And which I think it has kind of gotten underneath everybody's radar. We now just think of it as, oh, fulfillment, that means warehouse. But fulfillment is an incredibly deep word. It means something filling a hole in your psyche, something uh, something that you need that you now don't have. So Amazon has positioned themselves as the people that are going to fulfill you. And that's like the best example I can think of a, of, a, of a fake why. We were watching this movie the other day, and it was, uh, it was called Renfield, a movie about Dracula. It's kind of a Dracula redo with Nicolas Cage and uh, another dude that I don't know his name. But there was this quote that just uh, really stood out to me in the middle of the movie. And Renfield, who's, who's Dracula's assistant, was explaining to a lady friend about Dracula, who he is, what he does. And he said, Dracula's greatest power is that he knows what you think you want. Think about how brilliant that quote is. It's um, Dracula's secret power isn't that he can slice you in half and bite you and kill you. It's he, he can look at someone and he can tell what they think they want, not what they really want, but what, what they're walking around chasing, trying to find. And it's what they think they want. And is that, that's such a parallel to the Amazon fulfillment services because they're in the business of trying to find out what you think you need to make you whole and then selling it to you. Not only Amazon, but all the companies that have products on Amazon are spending lots of money trying to get in our heads and project a future us that we will take our wallet out and spend money to move towards. Right. Right. So that's that's a good fake why. And that's what you want to do when you're asking yourself why I want to lose weight. We need to we need to separate ourselves from those fake whys, those motives, those programs that are not us. So that's that's basically the two things to ask yourself is, first of all, give yourself some time. Think about why you want to lose weight. Ask multiple layers so you can get to the core why and then make sure that it's not someone else's why. So here's here's a little trick that I, when you get to the point of trying to sort out what's what, what is, is it your why or is it someone else's why or some why that is not part of you? I, it occurred to me that the best way to do that is to start from a position of gratitude because practicing gratitude, and I know that's a very overused word, but putting yourself in a state of gratitude, uh, just looking around, seeing what you already have, um, if you're in that state and you can feel it in your heart, if you can feel that gratitude, then really by default, all of the fake whys will fall away. I just think it's important to to meditate and the Buddhists do something called a metta meditation, which is, is a way to build gratitude inside you. Um, and, and if you put yourself in a state of gratitude, then I think the false whys will fall away. Jill, you had a comment? Yeah, I was going to say... Um... I was going to close with this comment, but 
Um, so Faramir's didn't get the cheerleader. What he ended up with was the homecoming queen. But the irony of that is friends of ours recently found out I was homecoming queen. They're like, really? Like, I guess I don't project homecoming queen. So hopefully I've evolved past that image yeah. of that persona. And I would consider it a compliment that they were completely thrown off that, that I actually wore that title once in my life. Yeah. But you know, when I, when I was courting you, I didn't know you were homecoming queen and that wasn't, well, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. wasn't at all a part of the, um, attraction. Um, the reason we became, uh, came to know each other so well, but, um, I thought that was just a funny memory. Yep. And so I, I, I do want to close. We're, we 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 um, we've said a lot here, but I, I want to, I want to close with something that I think is important that I keep going back to, and that is the, we've we've asked you guys, we've we've talked about uh, whittling down the whys until you get to the core, and making sure it's your why, and to do all that successfully, you really need to um, practice creating quiet in your head, and if you're like me. Uh, creating quiet is very low on your priority list because you know you got a lot to do. You got stuff going on. You got to do these things before you know it's time to go to sleep, and then you pop up the next morning, and your to-do list starts all over again. And there's no time for quiet. But I think that quiet is essential, even if it's 30 seconds of quiet. And the the fastest, the best way I know to create quiet in your mind and in your heart is meditation. And um, that means a lot of different things to different people, but I think meditation, it's a very broad definition when I use that word. It means taking a deep breath and maybe closing your eyes, maybe not, and just giving yourself a pause, you know, not trying to move to the next thing, but just sitting right where you are. And sometimes it, you know, breath is the most powerful way to do that. I, I will use a technique called a, a four, four, seven breath, which, and the numbers are not critical here, but you take a, a four count in breath, hold it for four seconds, and then you breathe out slowly over a count of seven. So that is a total of 15 and you can spread that out any way you like, but the trick is to slow your breathing down. And then the very next thing you do when you slow your breathing down is you try to pick up on this very moment, what's going on right here and right now, and give yourself a pass on planning the next moment or thinking about bills you have to pay or picking up your kids from school or what's coming up in the next hour. You're right here, right now, and give yourself that five or six minutes so that you can get a clear mind and you can set your sights on the why for why you want to eat more healthy and live longer. And, and, um, that's it. Yeah. And I practice typically my stillness first thing in the morning. Um, I get made fun of a lot because I get in the hot tub first thing in the morning, but it also puts me out in nature. And I practice a Wim Hof technique of breathing, um, when I'm in the hot tub, not every day, but a lot of times. And I've also been known to do some meditations and paraliminals. But I find it easiest to do that first thing when I get up in the morning as the sun's coming up, preferably. Um, when it's quiet and I have been known to kick people out of my hot tub that want to talk too much first thing in the morning. So. I don't know who you might be referring to. Well, Amy too. So. Mm, well, um, 
Yeah, Wim Hof has some powerful techniques. I just, the thought of a super hairy Swedish guy early in the morning does not I don't think of him while I'm doing the technique, but I'm trying to be present. So therefore I wouldn't be thinking of Wim Hof. (laughs) It is called the Wim Hof technique, you know. It's hard not to think of Wim or Hoff or whatever his name is. It's a struggle. Yeah, I know. I know. It's difficult. Anyway, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. And like I said, this is the part one of a four-part series. And the the next three parts will be forthcoming very shortly. And um, I'm going to do our traditional close. This is Faramir's Hidaji MD signing off. This is Jill Hidaji. See you later. And thank you for listening to the Live the Path podcast. <laughs>